Today's episode is brought to you by Naked Nutrition. Naked Nutrition provides you with pure protein powders and supplements to help you meet your nutrition and fitness goals. Naked Nutrition is completely transparent about their ingredients. That way you know exactly what's going into your body. No additives means your body gets more of what it needs. And I suggest checking out Naked PB. It's a powdered peanut butter and it's delicious. It's full of amino acids and protein. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase at NakedNutrition.com by using the code P-O-D. That's POD. That's 10% off using the code POD, P-O-D, for first-time customers. Take your nutrition to the next level with Naked Nutrition. And Whether you're quarantined in the house or not, you still don't want your gym bag being all nasty. Our sponsor today, Manscaped, is here to make sure your stuff stays in check. Manscaped promotes clean hygiene when it comes to your junk, thanks to their lawnmower 3.0. Manscaped is the only men's brand dedicated to below-the-waist grooming. While you're probably at home looking for something to do, why not make manscaping a part of your new routine? You don't want to look like you're sitting on Ming's shoulders from WCW, and you don't want Brutus the Barber Beefcake chomping away down there. And you dang sure don't want to use that Freebird hair removal cream. Manscaped is forever changing the grooming game with their Perfect Package 3.0. Precision engineered tools for your family jewels. The Perfect Package 3.0 kit comes with new and improved Lawnmower 3.0, waterproof, cordless body trimmer, and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your manscaping routine. This third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to prevent manscaping accidents. Your goods are going to be nick free thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin safe technology. Inside the perfect package you'll also find the Manscaped Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing deodorant and moisturizer. You're probably sitting on the couch like Al Bundy right now anyway, so you might as well keep everything smooth and fresh. Subscribe to the perfect package to get a new replacement blade refill for your lawnmower trimmer delivered to your door every three months, making sure your trimmer stays fresh and clean. And for a limited time, subscribers get not one, but two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag, $39 value, and the patented high-performance anti-chafing manscaped boxer briefs this is the perfect package for your perfect package get 20 percent off and free shipping with code slopdrop at manscaped.com that's slopdrop s-l-o-p-d-r-o-p do yourself a favor and always use the right tools for the job that's 20 percent off with free shipping at manscaped.com by using the promo code slopdrop s-l-o-p-d-r-o-p That's a slot drop. I can answer that. That's a slot drop. What is that move? That's a slot drop. Slot drop time. That's a slot drop. Slot drop. Slot drop. Slot drop. The slot drop indeed. What's up, humanoids? Welcome back to the slot drop. This is Nathan Rogers at Woo Pig Sumo on Twitter, and I'm joined by Bad Luck Chapman at Bad Luck Chapman. And the manager of champions himself, Stephen E. What's up, fellas? What is going on, Nathan? Oh, what man. Living the dream, brother. Nice shirt. See that TCB 417 <laughs> repping uh, the 417 there? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. TCB Fight Club 417. Aaron Kimball, Travis Elliott doing things. Uh, I guess we kick it off. RIP to Pat Patterson, who passed away today at the age of 79, known for being the very first WWF Intercontinental Champion and for creating the Royal Rumble. Uh, no stranger to controversy, but a wrestling legend. And uh, RIP, Pat Patterson. Yeah, 
Okay. Well, I think the biggest, I think the biggest accolade you left off of that list was, you know, Vince McMahon's right hand man. You know, uh, for many years, uh, that that guy was, you know, uh, uh, he was he was pivotal when it came to you know booking for WWF back in and you know back in the day. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, man. You know, rip to him uh, in our <clears> prayers, <throat> all that good stuff. But man, you know, uh, gosh, what what was he? Seventy seventy nine. 79? Yeah. Yeah. What are you going to do, man? It's too bad. Two guys still with us. uh, Recently celebrated a birthday. The Space Cowboy, Jason Jones, and Kendall P.S. Hayes. So happy birthday to those two jabronis. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Yeah. 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 What is is Space Cowboy now? 58? 60? He's, he's yeah, he's probably 58, 60. <laughs> 58, 60. And God, Kendall, good old Kendall. Yeah, guy, that guy's got to be at least 22, 23 now, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Barely <laughs> legal. You know what I heard the other day? I heard that the space cowboy never even been to space. I don't know about that. I think he has been to space. I don't know, man. I heard yeah. that. He's, he's been to space, but I'm not sure if he's a cowboy. Yeah, I don't know Dude. if he's a cowboy. I, I can't. Yeah, I can't tell you that, but you know, hell, I'd probably reach out to my boy in uh, Oklahoma, Paul Puerto Rico from Planet Puerto Rico, uh, ask him about it. You know, Paul's been to space. Well, 29 years ago this week, WWF, this is Tuesday in Texas. Tuesday, December 3rd, 1991, Freeman Coliseum, San Antonio, Texas. 8,000 fans in attendance, made about 100,000 at the gate, did about 400,000 pay-per-view buys, which is actually not bad for a pay-per-view on a Tuesday in 1991. Did you say 8,000 in attendance? Only 8,000 in attendance. Wow, because we've got a plane in it. Man, place looks packed, but I yeah. guess not. Not only packed, but man, all night long in the hot crowd. Oh yeah, yeah. crowd was crowd was into it. They were loving it. Commentators Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby the Brain Heenan, interviewers Sean Mooney and Mean Gene Okerlund. Champions going into this event, the world champion was the Undertaker. Intercontinental champion was Bret Hart, and tag team champions was LOD, the Road Warriors, Hawk and Animal. Prior to this pay per view starting, there were five dark matches. I think there are five. I'll count them off as we go here. Ron and Don Harris, a.k.a. the Harris Twins, DOA, defeated Brian Donahue and Brian Costello. Sir Charles, Papa Shango, a.k.a. the Godfather later on, defeated Dale Wolf. Chris Walker defeated Brian Lee, who became the fake Undertaker in Chains. Chris Chavis, who was later on Tatanka, uh, defeated J.W. Storm, who obviously is famous as Jumpin' Jeff Farmer. Known for cutting the greatest promo in wrestling history. Oh, there's jumping Jeff Farmer. Jeff, a while back, what a match you had with Motley. Yep. Probably the hardest match I ever had in my life. But I don't like it when things aren't my, going my way. Motley Cruz, you turn the tables on me. You turn the tables in a wrong way. 
You've got me mad now. I've stood around. I've listened to everything you had to say. I've did everything necessary. But when you turn around and you backstab me one way or another, and you treat, cheat me out of what's rightfully mine, that's when I get angry. Now I'm the one doing the challenging. I'm issuing a challenge to you, Motley Cruz. Get in the ring with me. This time, I'm going full force. Jumping Jeff Farmer. Yep. yep. And uh, LOD <laughs> defeated the Beverly Brothers, and Ric Flair defeated Rowdy Roddy Piper. Now, these were non-televised dark matches, which did not uh, <clears throat> make the pay-per-view. We'll circle around to these later. But what you know about some jumping Jeff Farmer? That That is probably the one promo that at any given time I could repeat word for word. That is that, that promo is amazing. Jumping Jeff Farmer. In fact, I was talking with, with bad luck here earlier about uh, Jeff Farmer and, uh, and, 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 you know, it was kind of, I had read somewhere that, that the NWO sting was Jeff Farmer. And I looked and he's different. different Jeff Farmer. Farmer. Yeah. yeah. But I was thinking like, how the hell did <laughs> Jumping Jeff Farmer turn because he went full force. He went full force. So Chapman smarted me up on the whole deal and let me know that it was a different well, Jeff Farmer. Thankfully, nobody turned the tables in a bad way. In a bad way. You know, it's like, <laughs> yep. Uh, I don't like it when things don't hey, go my hey, way. All I have to say is this. I feel bad for Motley Cruz. <laughs> oh, Motley Cruz. He he possibly got hospitalized after that match. Jumping Jeff was he was ready to, to get it on. He, well, you know, shoot, if he went full force, like you said, uh, then you know he was that's what I'm afraid of. That. Uh kick off the show, Mean Gene interviewed Paul Bearer and The Undertaker somewhere backstage after the 91 uh, Survivor series, which was just days before this event. Hulkamania. It died at Survivor Series. Now the only thing left is this Tuesday, the burial. Undertaker said that at Survivor Series, he killed Hulkamania, and this Tuesday in Texas, he will bury it. Uh, this statement is a little ironic considering uh, what was happening behind the scenes. We'll touch on that later. Undertaker had debuted only one year prior to this, just days prior, uh, defeated Hogan to capture the world title. Uh, first, you okay there, Chapman? Coronavirus. You got the Rona? No. Uh, f- first match of that, Bret Hart defeated Skinner by submission with a sharpshooter to retain the Intercontinental title. Oh, that's right, the hitman is setting him up for the sharpshooter. He's got it twisted. He's got it over. He's got him. He's got him. Skinner's undefeated. Forget about Man, Skinner's tobacco was just over the top, all over the place, and amazing. Uh, silly gimmicks aside, though, I thought this match was pretty decent. It was really good, actually. You know, going back and watching this, you know, kind of made me realize how good. You know, I mean, we all know that that Brett is the best, or his best was best forever will be all that stuff. But you know, we're talking thirty years ago, and going back and rewatching this this, this event and watching Brett Hart go against Skinner, you realize how good Brett Hart was. Man, he was just smooth as silk. Everything he did from the Russian leg sweep to you know just everything he did just looked so good. And and I imagine you could probably you could probably you know, Bret Hart would have a five-star match with bad luck over here. You know, I mean, that guy just 
he was fluid. He looked amazing. And, you know, this right here was, was kind of a, uh, how, how do I say it? It, it? You know, it just, it, he was, he was in the middle of a big run, you know, right here. Uh, you know, of course, SummerSlam, you know, leading up to Survivor Series and then to even this Tuesday in Texas, like he just, <clears throat> he looked amazing, man. He looked really good. Makes me actually want to go back and watch some of, uh, of yeah. the Bret Hart stuff from about 92 to 95. Hell, he look. made Tom McGee look so good that uh, that was, Vince thought that was going to be the next Hogan. And of course, nobody knows who Tom McGee is then unless you really know uh, about the secret tape that uh, him and Bret Hart had a, uh, a match at some house show and there was a video of it and this guy looked like a million bucks and Vince was like, that's, that's the next Hulk Hogan. Of course he, he sucked, but Brett was that good that he made Tom McGee look good. And not that he made, didn't make Skinner look good because Skinner uh, who had a backwoods swamp stomping gator hunting gimmick uh, was actually Steve Kern, a part of the uh, fabulous ones and uh, a great trainer pre NXT was a uh, head trainer for FCW uh, WWE uh, development, but Skinner was pretty good too, and Hart made him look that much better. Yeah. Oh yeah. Brett. Brett looked. Brett looked good. Brett looked really good. You know, I mean, I'm talking everything from just like his 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 physical appearance, the way that he looked on TV. He just looked like a million bucks, man. I mean, he might be taking a pay cut if I said he looked like a million bucks. He looked yeah, really good. He did. Uh, backstage, Sean Mooney interviewed Jake the Snake Roberts, who cut a great promo on his upcoming match against the Macho Man. In turn, Mean Gene interviewed the Macho Man. As cold as a razor blade, as tight as a tourniquet, like the skin on a dying man. Randy Savage, the last time I seen you, you were flailing like some helpless child, drowning. Drowning from what? Drowning from the very poison that was running through your veins after that snake had chewed on that arm. For some time, he did chew. Now, you look at my eyes, Randy Savage, and you see two black holes in the sky. But you look at that snake eyes, and you'll see something so cold and so devilish and so deliberate. Yes, he takes care of what he has to, does what he has to, just like me. Your eyes, your eyes weren't even there, man. You were out. You were gone. But you know whose eyes I enjoyed the most? <laughs> Do you? Elizabeth's. Pupils so small, so intent, so scared for the man that she loved. And what a rush I got, man. Up and down my back, it felt so good. My hair felt like it was tingling. I mean, I had goosebumps all over my body listening to you squeal for a man that could not do anything but flail around and couldn't help himself at all, you know? And see the thing about Jack Tunney barring the snake from the corner. Let me tell you something, Jack Tunney. When I was brought into this world, I could not rob I could not steal, I could not lie, I couldn't even cheat. But boy, did I have some help learning. You have taught me so well. So you see, it is not my fault anything that I do out there. You have given me the right to. You have almost pushed the button to make me do it. You have pulled the trigger. So anything that I do is your fault. Snake in the corner? Trust me. Trust me. 
trust you, Jake. The snake rumors, that's what you want me to do? You want me to trust you? Well, you've taught us not to trust you. Yeah, you've taught us that way, yeah. The way that you are and things that you say. Because we already realize, yeah, that you get a rush, yeah. When a snake and the venom flows through my veins, that gives you a rush. You've told us that, yeah. And you told us to trust you, but I don't trust you. Nobody trusts you, yeah. You also get a rush, yeah. When you look into Elizabeth's eyes, yeah, and you see fear, fear in my, fear in my, fear in my wife's eyes. He says, he says, he wants us to trust him, yeah. Well, listen, yeah, I am going to tell you something. You better not trust me, and I am not going to trust you, and we're going to get into a situation where I'm standing on top of that turnbuckle, yeah, and point to the sky and jump up off the oh, turnbuckle, yeah, and I cross you with that elbow to a one, two, three count. You dig? Jake the Snake Roberts, yeah, trust me, man, that's what's gonna happen, yeah, and then I'm gonna get the rush, yeah, oh, yeah, I'm gonna get the rush right there, yeah, my rush is gonna be when I look into Elizabeth's eyes after the three count, and you're down, and defeated, and destroyed, and love, and admiration is flowing from Elizabeth's eyes right there, that's my rush! which leads up to the uh, second match. Now, leading up to this, Macho Man was brought back from retirement after uh, uh, about a week before this, Jake made his Cobra bite Savage in the arm. Yes, even though an angle that actually happened, I still remember that, man. Uh, I can remember this. I hate snakes. And when I saw that Cobra sink its teeth into uh, Savage's arm, I was like, holy shit, that is real. And it was real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you, you know, if you haven't went back and, and heard Jake, this, Jake talk about that and talk about leading up to that and what, you know, what what Randy made him do before they went out to, to, to do that, man, take you a second. I think he told the story the first time I heard it. I think he was on the Howard Stern show. And that's one thing about great. You see, you talked about, you know, a great promo like, you know, then Jake had a ability to cut a promo and he looks right through the camera and I swear to God, it feels like he's talking to you. You know, it's like, you know, he, not only is he talking to you, but he's staring at your soul while he's talking to you. Yeah. Just intense, man. And and he wasn't somebody that had to, had to yell to get himself over. He wasn't somebody that had to, you know, uh, flail and wail around or whatever the guy just you know he, he reminded me his promos reminded me of a hollywood-esque uh, style scene you know mm-hmm. it, like his promos were like scenes for movies except that he didn't have you know 20 takes to get it right you know he did it right on the first take and yeah god yeah that that promo that he cut was that was great. amazing it was, it was great, great. It was good uh, stipulation was Jake could not uh, have his snake at ringside. Um, we'll probably know what's going to happen, but uh, Savage ends up defeating uh, Roberts by pinfall after his signature top rope elbow. Macho Man still selling the snake bite, uh, has the bandage with some blood seeping through. After the match, Jake attacks Savage, gives him about three DDTs, makes Elizabeth beg for mercy, and slaps her, which uh, probably not a popular thing today. Uh, Jake ultimately gets the snake from under the ring. Wasn't it ringside? It was under the ring. Uh, 
and uh, teases that he's going to bring the snake out, but there was no snake in the bag. Again, that psychology, great match, great psychology, uh, hot crowd, just had them in the palm of their hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, I was telling, I was telling bad luck over here said, you know, that everybody, everybody knows Randy's history and how he was perceived and how, just how he was, you know, he was a very intense individual. And if he didn't trust you, he wasn't going to work with you. Imagine, imagine, just, just think the trust that, that Randy Savage had with Jake, letting Jake do what he did, it, it, you know, and, and like you said, unpopular opinion, you know, uh, today was an unpopular opinion back then, even because if you listen to the crowd, when he grabbed her by the hair, you know, he, he teased that he teased at first. And when he grabbed her by the hair, man, that crowd was, lethally i mean it, i yeah. mean it was they were they had they, they were, were stunned ready to get them ready to get i mean they were yeah yeah it, <laughs> it, it wasn't something that uh it wasn't something i i personally i forgot about it until rewatching it then when he rewatched it i i remember going oh yeah. ow, man that, that, you know, we, and what's crazy kinda, not only did uh randy trust him with the snake to do that but he trusted him to put his hands on elizabeth which nobody that, had done yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, uh, and, and Randy took care of Jake. You know, Randy yeah. obviously with all the money and, and, and the feud and the program that they were working because, you know, it, 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 in Randy time in Randy's career, I don't think Randy ever put anybody over. Like, you know, he took three DDTs, you know, right there and let Elizabeth get, you know, manhandled or whatever. You know, I just there, there was money in that feud right there. That For was sure. uh, that great that was a great great feud in the in the lead up to it with the the snake bite who doesn't if you're a professional wrestling fan i don't care if you watched wrestling in the 80s or you did and you skipped the 90s you know you know you've seen that that uh that 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 segment right there yeah and man it, it kind of stands the test of time you For know sure. it's such a it's such a uh a powerful segment i guess you know uh and for you know and to know how randy was with the people he didn't like to, you know, he didn't like to, he didn't have a lot of trust in a lot of people, you know, and for him to, to be like that. Wow, man. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. Mean Gene then interviewed Roberts after the match. And again, does an outstanding promo. Congratulate me, Gene. Huh? After taking a look at that, you are a bona fide sicko, Jake Roberts. Hitting a woman. How could you? A woman. No man wants a woman that's going to lay down and grovel and beg for somebody's life. If it's a woman that I want, I want her to stand up. Stand up and be that. Be what I want. As far as slapping her, yeah, I slapped her, but I'll slap myself. I'll slap you, Gene Okerlund, but I'll tell you something, Randy Savage. DDT and you was fine. That really felt good. But the best feeling I've ever had in my life is when I grabbed a hold of your woman's hair, man, and jerked her up off of her knees. Huh? That was good. And then when I put my hand across her face, my man, it felt so good I should have to pay for that. Yeah, I would pay to do that. So the next time you think about crossing this snake's path and a snake chooses his own path where nobody else wants to go, you think about it again. But if you do decide to, please do me one little favor. I'm begging you. Please bring her back. Let me touch her again. Oh, get out of here, please, Robert. I can cultivate her into something that even I could oh, want. please. Huh? I could do that. Trust me. Trust me. 
please. <laughs> I refuse to. Gorilla Monsoon, let's get back. Get out of here. On, get the hell you. out of here. Third match, the British Bulldog defeated the Warlord by a pinfall with a crucifix. A crucifix. What a move. He got him. Two big muscled up dudes here, which usually means a lot of rest holds, which is kind of what we got. Uh, Bulldog, we've talked about a lot. Future Hall of Famer. The Warlord looked like a million bucks. You know, you were talking about how Brett looked great earlier. Warlord looks pretty good here. Uh, he's mostly known for being in tag team powers of pain with the Barbarian. Surprisingly, never held any titles in the WWE. Uh, never had a great singles push. Uh, but I, I think, man, he could have been pushed to a much bigger star, uh, especially today's times. But uh, Batista says that Warlord was his favorite wrestler growing up. Well, you think about it. Think about this. You know, David Boy Smith at this time, when he came out, you know, you, you look at him, guy just, you know, just looked like just looked like a million bucks, man. I hate to throw that around, but you look you just phenomenal. You look great, you know, physically. Almost uh, as when, good as Chapman. When, when he stepped into when he stepped into the ring with Warlord, I couldn't believe how much the war how much bigger the Warlord yeah. was. I mean, it was it was, you know, not only in height, I think we looked it up and they build Davy Boy at 5'11", you know, and they build Warlord at probably 6'6", six, six, but he was every bit of six inches bigger than, than Davy Boy. Just huge, and his traps, man, he looked like they just he about did. to work out. Uh, backstage, Sean Mooney interviewed an enraged macho man, Randy Savage, who blamed himself for what happened to Elizabeth. Greeted Elizabeth, snake the greeted her, yeah. And I'll never forgive myself. It's the worst day of my life that I let him yeah. You laid your hands on Elizabeth. You laid your hands on Elizabeth. It's my fault. It's my fault. Man, you told who said. You said something about hanging with you, show you the dark side. Let me tell you something, man. Let me tell you something right now. Let me tell you something right now. I'm gonna get you, man. Yeah, I'm gonna get you. And there ain't gonna be no stopping me, man. I'm gonna get you. You can trust me that I said that. You already got what you wanted here. You know, I didn't even get a piece of you. I didn't even get a piece of him. I blame myself, man. I'm telling you. Touched Elizabeth, man. Touched Elizabeth. Unbelievable, man. That's it. It's over. It's over. No control, brother, man. I'm telling you right now, man. I'm going to get you, man. I'm going to get you here. I'm begging right now. You made her beg, huh? You ain't seen nothing yet. I'm telling you something right now. I'm going to get you. And I'm telling you something, man. I'm telling you, it ain't over. It ain't even started. You understand that? You understand that? I blame myself. I'm going to get you. Yeah. Said things were not over between him and Roberts. Again, another great promo. I mean, it's no jumping Jeff Farmer promo, but still good stuff. This feud, and I know we've talked about it a lot, but it worked so well because it was believable, you know, uh, from the promos to the ref selling the snake in the bag to uh, the actual snake bite to the ring psychology, even to Elizabeth kudos to her for playing Miss Innocence, you know, you know, it's, it's funny. I mentioned, I mentioned earlier to Chapman that, you know, Elizabeth in her WWF days, you know, I'd say what 86, 87 through, you know, through her run, you know, she portrayed that, that, that just, 
that princess, I guess, the princess of the WWE or whatever. You know, I was such a big fan of of that character where once you went over and become, you know, NWO Elizabeth, she just didn't, it didn't hold the same like it did when she was, you know, the the queen, you know, right. or not but the princess is the best way to put it. Right. She, you know, that character, and you might look at it and think, oh, well, she really didn't add much to it. And, you know, she was just eye candy for Randy or whatever. But man, if you go back and you see some of some of Randy's promos from <clears throat> when he was a when he was a heel, you know, Mean Gene would be talking to Elizabeth saying, you know, hey, Elizabeth, you're looking really great. Don't talk to her. You talk to me. You know, it just the dynamic, no matter what, no matter how much of a heel Randy was, Elizabeth was always <clears throat> a baby face. Yep. It, that was awesome. Fourth match, Ted DiBiase and the Repo Man defeated Virgil and El Metador by pinfall. DiBiase pinned Virgil with a little help from Sensational Sherry. El Matador was Tito Santana here. For some reason, he was a down bullfighter. Virgil, Vincent, most recently Soul Trade Jones on AEW. Uh, Repo Man, you know, a year before this was Crush and demolition uh also he's back way before that crusher uh crusher khrushchev try to say that easy for me to say uh but here he is the repo man you know after killing it one of the greatest tag teams wwe of history here he is looking like the hamburglar with chunks of tire tread and license plates on his entrance coat Uh, (laughs) sherry martell incredible talent man that got his attention yeah what do you think of Sherry? Man, Sherry was fine back in the day. Yeah, I would agree with you, man. She looked, she looked pretty good. She looked pretty good, you know. Uh, I, you know, imagine sitting in the makeup chair with, you know, ha- you know, doing her makeup and having. You remember all the sparkle, yeah. you know? I mean, like that, that probably took a long time to do. That yeah. wasn't even a task. Ted DiBiase severely underrated. Uh, we've talked about that a lot. As good as he was, didn't need the title, but damn, he deserved it. He did deserve it, but, you know, he had that million-dollar belt. And that, you know, I, I think the last show that me and you did, we talked about that. Mm. Well, that's the only championship he ever really needed. When he bought the when he bought the heavyweight title off of Andre, I think that was classic. Oh, yeah. Great, you know, great part of the storyline. But a million-dollar belt, that's all he needed. And it just made him. I mean, he was, he was, he was just great. Yeah. Uh, prior to the main event, Mean Gene interviewed uh, Hulk Hogan about his upcoming, upcoming match against The Undertaker. What led to this match uh, just days before Undertaker defeated Hogan at Survivor Series 91? Undertaker had a little help from Nature Boy Ric Flair. Uh, Flair slid in a chair to the ring. Undertaker gives Hogan a tombstone on the chair to win the title for the first time and at the time also becoming one of the youngest champions in WWE history at only age 26. Shout out to uh, at Danny Bentley 60 on Twitter. He was just talking about how much he loved this match and remembered watching it 29 years ago. Uh, story goes Hogan actually faked an injury during that spot. And after the match went to the hospital to get checked out, not as kayfabe, but perhaps as a way to make undertaker look bad and dangerous to work with in the ring. All this kind of put a damper on takers, huge first title win. Um, you can go back and rewatch this and he did not come close to hitting that chair. Obviously this made taker leery of working with Hogan. Uh, due to his politics and backstage annex and uh, created a little animosity. It just appears that Hogan tried to sabotage Undertaker's career from the get-go. Maybe felt a little threatened by him. I don't know. Again, he was only 26. 
And uh, Hogan had been that golden goose for so long. And he, Taker recently talked about this on ESPN's Cheap Heat with Peter Rosenberg. You know, Hogan claims that I heard him uh, on the tombstone during the pay-per-view, right? Um, so I'm thinking to myself, like I didn't find out till Tuesday. I knew there was going to be another pay-per-view, but I didn't know that I was, you know, I was going to drop the belt back and any what was going on. I mean, that came up out of nowhere. But I kind of figured like, oh, okay, I, you know, I, maybe it's because he's telling everybody that I heard him, you know, and, you know, Hulk was still the golden goose at the time. Um, so I'm thinking, okay, this is, this is, you know, they're going to take this off of me because they can't trust me or, or, or whatnot. It really wasn't explained to me what, what the, the reasoning was behind it. I mean, the whole deal was, a, it was, a, it was a setup from the whole get go. Right. So back then, you know, we would usually show up noon, you know, on a TV or pay-per-view day. We show up at the, at the arena around noon, one o'clock. You know, Hogan would roll in about four or five. So I remember getting there about, about noon, and Hogan was already there. Uh, he, goes, he goes, hey, kid, uh, can I talk to you, right? So we go into one of the locker rooms, into the shower, right? That's whenever, That's where all the business was always done. Back in the day, you went into the shower, whether it was to fight, settle, whatever score, it always happened in the shower. So he's telling me, he goes, hey, I got this neck injury. <clears throat> he says, I'm really nervous about taking your finish. And I was like, I was like, Hulk, believe me. I said, I will protect you. Like, I mean, I pride myself on not hurting people. And, and I promise you, I will have you so tight that there's no way possible that you're going to hurt your neck. So, you know, with that, we went on about our business. Every point during the day, I'd pass him in the hall or whatnot, you know, I'd get the, you know, like, remember about my neck, right? So that's all I got all day. It was, we go into the finish, Flair comes down, slides the chair down. I pick him up. And when I tell you I had, I had the brother secure, <laughs> he was secure, boom. I give, I give him the tombstone. As soon as my knees hit, I hear, oh, you have all these, like, I'm, what, 20, I was 24, 25 years old, and, you know, I just, I just crushed Hulk Hogan, right? That's, that's what's going through my head. Like, they gave me this opportunity. They gave me the chance to run with the ball, and I just hurt the golden goose. So I'm just, I'm just devastated, mortified, right? So they get Hogan out of the ring, and, you know, the, I get the belt, and Paul Bear and I are doing our stuff. So, you know, I go backstage, and um, I go backstage, and at where, I was, I'm asking, where's Hulk at, right? And he's always laying on Vince's office, office floor. So I go in there, you know, he's laid out on the floor, and, you know, he's, oh, he's, you know, he's carrying on, and like I'm going in to check on him, but then uh, here come the paramedics and stuff. So here me and Kayfabe, right? So I go behind a wall um, with Shane. Me and Shane are behind the wall and I'm having to, you know, listen to, you know, can you feel this? Can you do that? And then I hear somebody get my wife and kids on the phone. You can only imagine, right? Like, I don't know what the hell's going on other than the fact that I just heard the golden goose. Um, you know, Shane's right there telling me, he's like, Mark, he goes, his head wasn't anywhere close to touching that mat. 
And I'm like, no, man, I, I just couldn't hear it. Like, I was like, no, man, I, I heard him. I, I, I don't know what, you know, I was just, I couldn't put a thought together. I just thought I'd killed him. And um, so, and we didn't have access back then to, to watch things back right away like we do now. So I didn't see it until Tuesday in Texas. Because the next day I was, I can, uh, I think the next day I was in Hamilton, Ontario, defending the title against uh, Davey Boy Smith. There's no Monday Night Raw yet. Right. And we had house shows. So I finally got to see, you know, now, but by now a lot of the boys had come up to me and they're like shaking their head like, his head never got anywhere close to the mat. And you watch it back, you know, you can tell his head never touched. And uh, so now I'm in this precarious situation. Like, you know, I'm still, I'm still a greenhorn, right? I mean, and now I've got to confront, I've got to confront, you know, the face of wrestling, the biggest draw, you know, ever. And now I've got to figure out what I'm going to do here. Like, I mean, I've, as a man, I got to know what the hell, but I also know that it's, it's risking my professional career. Um, you know, and at that point, everybody's, you know, everybody's so paranoid too about their position and their spots and you don't hurt the top guys and you don't hurt anybody, but you know how that works. And I finally, I, I, I got to San Antonio and uh, I was like, uh, Terry, I, I watched it back. Um, your head, your head never hit. He's like, well, brother, what it was was you had me so tight that when we came down, I had nowhere to move. And that's what, that's what jammed my neck because I couldn't move at all. Okay. Then I knew, you know, I was like, okay. I, I kind of realized, okay, I know what you're all about. And that's all I needed. Like I said, from that Tuesday in Texas, when I got that answer, I, I knew all I needed to know about him. And, um, you know, and, and that's the way I always, then, you know, my radar was always up anytime that I had to, you know, interact with him, but I, but I dealt with him. I dealt in a professional manner. Man, yeah. I, 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 you I'll know, tell I'll tell you the best line about that interview though, with Taker was, uh, he goes so some along the lines of, you know, after that, I knew what kind of person he was and what he was about. Yep. And you can tell there's some heat there and that's all that, uh, that's all that's ever mentioned. But ironically, me and Stephen were just talking about how Hogan <laughs> went on record and said that he that he uh, spotted Taker and in in working out in the gym yeah. and tried well, to take credit. Well, uh, I actually got this in my notes. Tw uh, October twenty third, a few weeks ago, during the uh, Undertaker's thirty year anniversary, Hogan tweeted the following. Amazing career the Undertaker has had. Thirty years of main events and always was nothing but money. I will never forget Taker on the set of Suburban Commando. I told him Vince needs to meet you. Thirty awesome years, brother. H H. Suburban Commando was released a year after the Undertaker had already made his WWF debut. Pretty sure he'd met Vince at that point. Yeah, you know that's the thing is again it just shows what kind of person Hogan is. Out of all the people, you know, and that's the thing, since Taker's opened up on all these podcasts and different shows, man, Taker is actually a really thankful person, a real humble person, and he always lists people. Uh, Papa Shango, you know, Godfather, they call it, he yeah. calls him. He's in the BSK with him. Yeah, one of his best friends. He talks about Yoko. You name it. And, and I mean, he's got 
really positive, good things to say about everybody except for the pyro guy that lit him on fire. The one person that he never mentions, though, is Hogan. That don't work for me, brother. Yeah. Yeah. That just, uh, like, like, you, like you said, man, it shows what kind of person he was or is. And, you know, I mean, I think everybody kind of knows that. But, you know, obviously breaking into the business, just a, just a cheap shot, crappy move. And it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it, you know, you, you, what, what kind of got me about that, that tweet that uh, Hogan sent out is like, you know, like you've achieved everything in the world, man. Like, like you're, you're, you're arguably the biggest superstar when it comes to professional wrestling. You know, I, I don't care if you're, 95 or if you're you know 12 you know who hulk hogan is you're not saying you don't know who the undertaker is but you know when when you compare their career side by side hulk hogan you know i mean he's done a lot and for him to i don't know try to take credit for for you know the success of the undertaker when you know when when he really didn't have much to do with it you know obviously you know i I guess that you know what he did in texas would that be considered a bear you know like him trying to bury the you know undertaker like you know, a year into it, you know, imagine, imagine if, if, you know, if Undertaker, you know, couldn't pull it around, he couldn't have that 30 year career or whatever it was, you know, uh, Undertaker was arguably the best character in professional wrestling history. And for, for Hogan, you know, for Hogan, just to, I don't know, that kind of shows how selfish, you know, selfish he is when it comes to, you know, trying to take credit for things that, that he probably had nothing to do with. Like, right. oh, you know, yeah. Back to the match. Undertaker comes to the ring, dragging the belt, sort of wearing it. I'm sure that just sets Craig Kieselman on fire because he did a, uh, a ring rant the other day about that. you know wearing your belt it, with pride. And it's stuff funny like that. that you say that because when when we watched that and he came out and he was dragging the belt like that, you know, I just thought that's that's brilliant. That's great. How else would the Undertaker carry yep. his belt out there? One of the first to do that. In fact, Steve Austin would do it later on, but Undertaker was the first to make that popular. Uh, Hogan comes out, huge pop, rips his shirt off on his way to the ring, uh, ends up defeating the Undertaker by pinfall, once again winning the world title. Flair comes out, gets a chair uh, to help take out Hogan, which backfires. Hogan hits Flair in the back with a chair, falls on Jack Tunney. We need Jack Tunney. Yeah, we certainly do. Jack Tunney these days. Uh, ref is distracted. Paul Bear goes to hit Hogan with the urn, but nails Taker instead. Hogan showing some non-typical heel moves here and uh, rakes Paul Bear in the eyes and then gets some ashes from the urn and throws them to Undertaker's face, allowing him to sneak in a schoolboy for the three count. And still the pin to end the show. We cannot talk about this match unless we talk a little bit about how awesome Paul Bearer was. Like the 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 character known as Paul Bearer, when he come out and they made their way and they got onto the apron, and then you know, he had some little little gimmick that he did before he got in the ring, you know, a smirk or something like that. Just you know, I, I remember Monsoon. Look at the look at the look at the look at the look on his kisser or something. And you know, like like just watching that whole pay-per-view in general over, you know, 29 years later, you know, made me realize, like, gosh, man, we really miss Bobby. We really miss Gorilla. Those guys really brought a lot to the table when it comes to 
to, to announcing. And they just did an impeccable job of putting over who they needed to put over or, you know, shoot, you know, uh, Bobby doing his heel thing. It just, man, I miss those guys so much. Well, you got, you got Percy Pringle, right? Who's this flamboyant, blonde-haired, chubby guy that's just over the top on everything. And then, you know, everybody gives, gives take the credit for kind of how he evolved. But, man, that's a huge difference from Percy Pringle to Paul Bear. Mm-hmm. You know, and he nailed – when he'd come out and his face was turned and, you know, he'd do like his little duck face lips off to the side or whatever. And just the way he talked and the way he made his voice fluctuate and everything about, you know, great, yes, Taker, the greatest character of, of all time. But, man, Paul Bear's right there as, as, oh, yeah. as a character. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. We talked about Steve Kern earlier as Skinner. You know, here in this pay-per-view, he's a – tobacco juice just all over him years ago as the fabulous ones he had blonde hair pretty boy yeah. you know paul bear like you said chapman back in wccw down in texas you know he blonde hair flamboyant and here he is a dark uh mortuary guy so yeah mortician you know yeah. it's like if if you looked at him you know just like some of their early promo picks if you weren't a wrestling fan and you looked at him you'd go yeah, that dude's a mortician. <laughs> and he was in real life. He had a mortician's life. Yeah. 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 That's something. Yeah. I, I mentioned earlier those dark matches was loaded, but how do you not have LOD or versus the Beverly Brothers or Flair and Piper on this card? It just makes no sense. Uh, yet we get, and no offense or no disrespect, but we get the Repo Man and Virgil and Warlord, but we don't get LOD and, and Flair and Piper. You know, when, when we were watching that match earlier, you know, with uh, with Davy Boy and and Warlord, you know, uh, the one thing that stuck out to me, and, and Chapman made comment about it. He goes, "Man, he goes, I'm gonna let my hair grow out, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and shave a C right in the back <laughs> of my my uh, my head." You, you know, how, I, whose idea was that to to shave a W in the back of his head? Like, uh, you know, I I mean, you know, you're, after Thanksgiving. You're, you're right after Thanksgiving, you know, you're at your family's house. You know, it's like, does your does your mom look at you and go, what what have you become? Well, not you even know? your mom, but your great grandma sitting over there asking what what that is on the back of your head. You know, it's just oh, like, it looked it looked it was amazing. It was it was very uh, it was very 90 esque. Yeah, <laughs> only an hour and a half long, uh, but I loved it. Uh, most current major wrestling tv shows are two hours raw is a miserable three hours way too long in my opinion i like the hour and a half format it's it's more action-packed and it kind of leaves you wanting more yeah i'll be honest with you man i fully believe the reason why we didn't get that star-studded uh pay-per-view was was hogan oh possibly yeah yeah, I think that it, that he was afraid it would take too much. Yeah. Money and, and when they did when they did the Tuesday in Texas, did they know that that after Survivor Series that that was going to be a thing, or was it just something that they put together on the fly? Uh, no, they knew they were going to do it, but it was like an experiment. And then, of course, we didn't see it till years later when they started doing the Cyber Tuesday. And yeah, of course, they haven't done that in years either. But yeah. Taker didn't know going into this that he was dropping the belt. No, and uh, I fully blame Hogan for for that. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, congratulations on the 30 years, brother. Yeah. <laughs> I knew when I saw you on the set of Suburban Commando, Vince had to meet you. After you debuted a year ago. <laughs> yeah. I knew that you needed to beat Vince. <laughs> Do you guys have a uh, favorite match or segment? For I'm, me, I'm for me it's Jake and Savage. Yeah. See, I'd go yeah. with Macho and, and uh, Jake. I, when you talk about, you know, match wise, gosh, you know, match wise. <sighs> 
looking back on it. Hart and Skinner match-wise was actually pretty say, good. You know, Hart and Skinner, I, I think that was the match that, 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 that I just, you know, I just, I don't know. I sat there. I don't want to say in awe. I, I felt like I'd never watched Bret Hart wrestle, you know, because it's been so long since I seen him perform like that. Yeah. Um, but I think my favorite segment of the uh, of the pay per view was that Jake promo right off the bat, and that trust me, was, trust me, yeah, man. I'm telling you, when he cut a promo, I, I he just yeah. looked. At, he, I, I thought, you know, even watching it today, 30 years later, you know, you almost get uncomfortable watching the promo because it feels like he's talking to you. You know, it's yeah. like, well, and and give credit where credit's due for a big man match with Davy Boy and Warlord. Man, that was actually a good, a good big guy match. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and, and you know, if you think about it, and the time frame when that took place, that was kind of the lead up to you know the Bret Hart Davy Boy feud, if I'm not mistaken. Where what did it did it SummerSlam '92? Was that I the so. Wembley? I think so. Yeah. So you know, uh, well, Davy Boy was on. Davy Boy was on the rise. You know, yeah. and so was Bret Hart because Bret Hart needed to get rid of that. IC championship to go to a house show yeah, and pin Ric Flair, you know? I, yeah. You know, we talked about Pat Patterson being the first IC champ. I think Brett is probably one of my favorite intercontinental champions. Yeah. No, 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 no. Let me tell you, greatest intercontinental champion of all time. Honky Tonk, man. Hey, I thought you were yeah. going to say you three kid. Oh, did, oh, did he? Yeah. yeah, I think he did. Well, you know, honestly, though, the IC belt years ago, meant something you had mm-hmm. you know Ray Ramon, Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart that's how you knew that they were going to take that step further and become the the champion you know the heavyweight champion yeah. Mr. Perfect Ooh. you know you all these guys that held that title it was prestigious mm-hmm. you know I, honestly it, I felt good whenever Axel or Curtis Axel won it for his dad and kind of had that but since then I mean it's just I don't know who the IC champion is now like it's just another it's another belt are you kidding Sammy, you Sammy Zane man what are you talking about are you kidding? No, dude. I tell you what, man. Like, no. yeah. I, okay. Go Generico. Sami Zayn. I, I, I'm Schnitzel a fan. I'm a fan. I and I, I, I don't catch a lot of Sami Zayn matches because I don't watch a whole lot of uh, programming right now. But when I do, I, I really like his gimmick, and he has yeah. one. He really has one. He's he, he's kind of annoying, an annoying little brother gimmick. Let me tell you, his best gimmick when was when he stepped out of the ring and became a manager. It was getting in the ring just every great once in a while, kind of like Bobby Heenan did back mm-hmm. in the day. Yeah. Sami Zayn's got a great mouthpiece. He's a great mouthpiece, great manager. Well, some of his that. best work was in uh, ROH when he was El Generico. Check yeah. that out. You, you know, you know, let me ask you one question, though. How old do you think Sam, Sami Zayn was in 91 when Tuesday in Texas? Well, sure. Place? But that's what I'm saying. Okay, who, so who was the champion before Sami? I don't know, Nakamura, maybe? Uh, or Daniel Bryan, I think. That's the problem is, you know, I, when I think of the IC title, I think of that historic ladder match between Razor and Sean. I think of, I think of you know, Mr. Perfect. I think, you know, Roddy Piper, all these guys that carried that title that actually meant something. And now it's going to all these guys. Well, the problem is, is everybody gets a, a belt. And especially the title changes so often. I mean, Daniel Bryan's had it. He's, he's one of the best wrestlers on the planet. But... He just, it just drops it a couple months later to someone else. Years ago, you know, it just doesn't doesn't have that. It doesn't have. No, that. I agree. Yeah. What, what do you guys think? Uh, thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in the middle. I'm gonna go thumbs up. I'm gonna go thumbs up. Yep. I, I again, you know, uh, watching it over, it it, it kind of has. 
I don't know, reignited uh, a little passion. I want to go back and watch some of the the Bret Hart stuff oh, from that yeah. era now. You know, watching watching that match and seeing how well he moved. And and like you said earlier, you know, I'm not taking anything away from Skinner. You know, Skinner obviously uh, or Steve Kern. You know, he's a he's a veteran, been around for a long time, but. You know, Bret Hart just looked really good. You know, uh, I think Bret can wrestle champion, you know, five-star match. Well, we got to thank the followers. They're the ones who voted, voted yeah. for this. Yeah, man. Uh, I, I gave them the choice, WCCW Thanksgiving Star Wars, which, you know, it was taped in November but didn't air to the 1st of December, which coincides with this week. Uh, 45% voted for that, which, you know, I was surprised it got that many. But 55% uh, voted for this Tuesday in Texas and – Glad they did. I, I like this show. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was a good really show. Good. Yeah, it was a good show. Uh, it, it just goes to show, you know, I mean, like like I said, you go back and you, you think, you know, 29, 30 years ago, and, and, you know, you could put that on a on a, on a a pay-per-view today, and it, it would be better than, you know, it's better than anything that they produced in the last, you know, at least a couple yeah. of years. And speaking of some of those uh, Twitter followers, at Vince McMahon 101. No, it's not the Vince McMahon. But he says, thanks, Slop Drop. Uh, I enjoyed this show and much of this era. Star power on this show is greater than anything that E has put on in the last five years. At Squared Top 10 says, the match with Jake, the stank of Macho Man, in my opinion, was the show stealer. They had an incredible story, not only that night, but the entire storyline. And at Big scoves 23 says really enjoy the content you're putting out i very much appreciate it well we appreciate you guys for listening i don't know why you guys listen but uh thank you guys for listening you're welcome <laughs> ratings <laughs> <laughs> ratings uh the demo god over here chapman right that's right but yeah no it, it, it like like i said the whole pay-per-view for me was was a thumbs up just because you know i don't know it just it kind of it kind of took me back to the glory days, I guess. Yeah. You know, you know, made me feel like I was a kid again. I guess that nostalgic, you know, yeah. uh, feeling that you get watching something like that. And you know, it's crazy to think that that you know that he went he went on a thirty year run, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and still if he takes off two years and comes back, he'll be the biggest draw in two years coming back. You know, or yeah. rating, you know, put him on a pay per view and advertise him a little bit, and everybody will tune in. Yeah. Well, if it was it was a throwaway pay per view with just top-notch stars, top-notch athletes, just great competitors. It was just, you know, probably one of the better uh, – and I agree, it's, it's better than anything that, that these put out in a long mm -hmm. time. Well, you know, you, you know, if you think about it, like what could have been, you know, what if The Undertaker would have got really – I mean, just hella discouraged about that. You know, you're going in there, you, you've been the champion for two days, you're 26 years old, your character's been around for a year. You know, like Hulk Hogan could have – derailed that guy from every bit of momentum that he had it just you know it, it, it for him to to stick around for as long as he did you know and stand the test of time and not only stand the test of time but evolved that character into to multiple you know characters you know we went from what you know like the original dead man to you know the undertaker purple and then you know the biker you know the american badass and then back you know, full circle back to the, the undertaker, you know, it just goes to show, you know, the, you know, like when I know when you, when, when, when you, uh, uh, when you first seen him, you know, debut and you see him come out with Ted DiBiase, do you think that, you know, that's going to be somebody that stands the test of time? I didn't think at the time that no. it would be, but looking back on it now, all of the, all of the stuff that he's accomplished and it just, it, it, it yeah, that guy, 
you know, Mark Calloway created that character. Mm-hmm. You know, I, or Vince McMahon may have created it. But he made it work. But he Mark, made it work. That Mark made it work for yeah. sure. You know, and, and he could have very easily been derailed, you know, by by that whole situation. You know, you win the belt at, you know, at, uh, at, at, at a major pay-per-view. And then, you know, two days later, you're dropping it, you know, to the guy that you just beat, it, you know, I don't know. That could well, have thought, been, you know, and he went in thinking that he actually hurt the guy, and then he finds yeah. out that, oh. right, right, right. And the fact that there, you know, he he says in that interview that uh, numerous people were coming to him saying, you know, yeah. no we're near it. Yeah, it, 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 it just came. It came across as is on the fly booking. Mm-hmm. You know, is what it is what it come across to yeah. to me. Just they just they didn't know they let's throw it and hit the wall and see what sticks. And and it's a shame because you look at Hogan and. You, you, on the other hand, you've got Flair and Piper, who are twice the wrestlers that Hogan ever, ever will be, ever was, whatever. And that you know, probably Hogan would have been the back. match of the night. You know, we're talking about Brett and Skinner. If they'd have yeah. had that Piper Flair match, that probably would have been the best nap match of the card. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I think that's, I, like, again, you know, I think, I feel like Hogan probably had something to do with keeping, keeping the better, more popular people off of the card. Yeah. Because Hogan, I mean, let's face facts, Hogan's not a great wrestler. Never he's was. a great name. He's a great character. He's a great, you know, whatever. He's a great performer. But in the ring, you know, I, I mean, even in here, if you watch, I don't think that dude took a back bump once. You know, he falls on his side all the time. But uh, there's some there's some early footage in Japan where he actually did a yep. couple wrestling moves. Now, kudos I, I, to his opponent who probably made him look good. But once you get up, like you said, he's got the big boot and the leg drop. I always say Hogan wins <laughs> finger <laughs> leg. He's got about yeah. five moves, but you know it's like it, it. Regardless of whatever we think about him, you can't take away that you know that he is Hulk Hogan. Exactly. Arguably, sure. You know, even more. You know, you know this might be an unpopular <laughs> opinion, but you know, if you took Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair and and I don't know, took them to, uh, you know, some desolate third world country. And you put them in front of somebody who, who you know, they're going to know who Hulk. Everybody knows who Hulk Hogan. Everybody knows Ric Flair, but I think that Hulk Hogan is more recognizable when it comes to professional wrestling than than, yeah. than Ric Flair. Well, and, so to me, the, a lot of that comes back to <coughs> just that kind of how Hogan went with the movies and stuff and got his name out there, kind of like The Rock, mm-hmm. right? So Kurt Angle is a great wrestler, won a won an Olympic gold medal with a broken freaking neck, but you take The Rock and Angle out somewhere. And same thing. Who's who are they going to know? Gonna know well, yeah. Why? Because well, he was like Hogan. Well, Joey Corman said it best one time on here. Um, there could be a band playing at some some hole in the wall club. Could be the greatest band on earth that we've ever heard, but we will never know because Justin Bieber is selling all the records right now. Mm, that's a fact. <laughs> I, I'm paraphrasing, but I got to give Corman credit because he made that comparison. That's a good. That's a good. That's a good analogy, there, boy. I yeah. Shout out to you, Joey, on that one. That was good. That's good. I'm gonna have to steal that. <laughs> steal it. I give you permission because I paraphrased it. So yeah, <laughs> I'll take credit. Sure. No, I think that about wraps it up, guys. Uh, follow us on Facebook at the Slop Drop on Twitter at the Slop Drop One. Bad Luck Chapman. He's on Twitter now at Bad Luck Chapman. Stephen E., I don't know if you're on there, but you got to fire that baby up. Uh, wherever you get your podcast, we are probably there. Leave us a good rating, a good review. Doesn't cost you a penny, but it helps a lot. And until next time, we're out of here. Goodbye and good night. One, two, three.